When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, I think our program is ready to turn a big-time corner, uh, but it's tough, too, if we're given circumstances where we can't get on the field and get better. I think our kids are just anxious to get back out there and try to compete to win a game. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show, with Dave, Honky, Mac, and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Honky. Two weeks ago, it was Aura Day weekend. This week, it's the fourth annual Redcast and the Rockies tailgate weekend in Denver. Damn, I love college football. Looking forward to your visit, Honk. I'm also with Mac. What's up, Redcasters? I'm pretty sure it's game week. Uh, so far, so good. <laughs> Things are looking all right. Uh, Northwestern, being a little bit smarter than Wisconsin, seems to have isolated their players to the point where they won't infect the entire state. <laughs> so, let's uh, let's keep pushing forward. I think we're going to have a game this Saturday. Woo-hoo. All right, I'm also with Boomer. Well, I'd just like to congratulate the Big 12 and managing to take themselves completely out of the playoff race, even behind the Pac-12 and the Mac, who haven't even played a game yet. So, good job <laughs> down there to all of our uh, ex-conference brethren. Boomer, we do have Mac action to look forward to. Uh, as we record the BetCast on Wednesday nights, we'll have a full TV schedule of Mac games to watch. Yeah, I'm excited. That's, that's one of my favorite things, uh, you know, the side bits of college football is just watching the Mac teams and uh, seeing Solich out there again for at least another season. So it's just part of the fun. It really makes it feel like football's back when, when the Mac's I always playing. wanted a, a Mac conference-only schedule, you know. I mean, let's not have the Mac play other schools. We just want Mac on Mac action. That's what I say. It's always nice to see a former head coach in Nebraska doing well, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Got such a good, good, good tradition of that going right now, don't we? Yeah, I mean they're all doing fantastically. Well, speaking of former Nebraska assistant <laughs> coaches, uh, Honky will be able to watch Colorado State on Thursday night as they take on Craig Bowl in the Wyoming Cowboys. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm real excited to see that. I was also excited to see a stat on Bo Pelini. Uh, he went 48 and 18 in his first 66 games. And Dave, who else is 48 and 18 right now after 66 games? Could it be Jim Harbaugh? Oh, that is accurate. Yes. Yeah. Ironically, those two may be getting an apartment together by the end of this season if the right <laughs> things are going for them. They're going to lay low for a while, you know. We're really hoping for that resurgence of the XFL, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they'd be the next up, I think. Mike Riley was part of the first. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, Wouldn't that be hilarious? <laughs> uh, well, you know, turning our attention to Nebraska, Mac did allude that obviously when we recorded the Redcast last Monday, we thought we were going to be playing in Wisconsin. Obviously, a lot of things changed in the 48 to 72 hours after that. We weren't playing a game, and we were potentially playing a game, and then we weren't playing a game again. And um, then we get the national media hating us all over again. Guys, uh, last week was another crazy week in this crazy year. Any thoughts on it? 
Yeah, the season that won't seem to ever start is never going to end. Because <laughs> I want to thank the Redcasters, by the way, that are that have stuck with us through all this. Because I, I can tell you how tough it is on our end of the mics here to, to keep talking about this stuff and talk about the, the season and games so much in the future. And it's like, we just want to talk about games. And as you heard Frost today in the presser, the players just want to play games. And somehow we keep getting crapped on by the, the Paul Feinbaums and all those people mm. for wanting to do the thing that we've talked about all offseason right. that we've wanted. Yep. And quite honestly, his network shows these things called football games. I would think they would be real proponents of having us play, right? So it's extremely frustrating. Uh, it's frustrating for everybody, but uh, I can't imagine what it has to be for these players. They're the, as much as I like to complain as right. podcasters, right. those are the kids, you know, right. Mac, they're actually like going yeah, I'm to not practice. actually working out. They're like lifting yeah. and practicing to basically not get any games. This is such a broken, messed up year. You know, I see some college teams that have six or seven games played already. And shoot, my, my kids trick-or-treated on Saturday. I was able to go. That was the one positive out of all this. But it's November. We played one game. So they just want to play. Yeah, I mean, when the, when the game gets halted for us, it's like, well, I don't get a drink that night. But <laughs> but the players are actually putting well. in time. And, well, you're right, Boomer. <laughs> I shouldn't drink that night. But, uh, but, but I'm not actually working out and breaking down game film to get that ripped away from me. My wife asked me, she's like, I don't get it. Why is everybody so mad at Nebraska? Like, what did we do? And I'm like, I I don't know. She's like, but what did we do? Because everybody seems really mad at us all the time. So what did we do? And I'm like, honey, it's a really good question. And I don't know. I mean, presumably, we want to play football in a conference that's storied in their football programs. And yet, for some reason, when we say that, it's it's heresy. And we don't know our place. And we just need to be quiet and shut up and stand in the corner but I got news for the Big Ten and the Paul Feinbaums of the world. <laughs> We're not going to be put in the corner. As Patrick Swayze would say, you don't put baby in the corner. We're here to play ball. We're tired of being stepped on. We're just tired of being stepped on. <laughs> you know, I mean, it does seem like uh, the national media is enjoying some of this in some ways. And a lot of them are um, kind of from that 90s era where they would have been starting out in the business at that time. Um, I heard uh, Dirk actually mention this. He was on Unsportsmanlike Conduct this afternoon and talking about how you know some of these uh, media types probably got tired of Nebraska storylines in the 90s and now they're taking it back out on us. And I, it does seem like there's some validity to that. And there's some validity to Husker fans also taking offense to everything um, that somehow it's a conspiracy theory against us and Wisconsin intentionally did this and all this crazy stuff. And we need to get over that as well as a fan base. Because to Max's point, I mean, we need to start just winning mm-hmm. and move on from this because this is not a storyline that we need to continue any longer, right, Hunk? Yeah, I mean, Sipple had a great interview with Moose. A quote from Moose was, what we need to do at Nebraska is we need to win. You don't see John Cook complaining. And I, that's a great quote. And that I would is, just settle for we need to play. Yeah, and there were some people that took that quote from Moose. A couple people on Facebook, they were like, is Moose saying something towards Frost? I'm like, no, that's not directed towards Frost at all. Last week was a really, really unfortunate week with the Badgers. Let's move on in that sense. I guess in seven days, if we're sitting here talking about how Northwestern canceled on us, maybe I'll start to 
you know, taking some of those, you know. Oh, I don't even know what I would <laughs> yeah. do. I don't it. even know what I would I do. Mean, but at some point, this has got to end, right? At some point, we just need to be able to start playing games. And moving forward to this week, I'm excited to play these guys. They're 2-0. and They have blew out a Maryland team and then, you know, had the real close victory over Iowa, which is fun to watch. Iowa's made a living out of winning all those close games. And right now, they've lost two by, I think, five points total. So, hey, you know what happens to everyone. Boomer, are you... Um... Excited about Hydrox NU this weekend? Oh, I'm always excited for this game. I think they're the team we played the most, I think, in the Big Ten somehow over the years. And Really? Yeah. And how many of their games have always been a, come down to like one score? I mean, they for as the goofy as this series has been, you know, you don't normally think of Northwestern as being a great rival or anything, but the games are always at least interesting. Some of the most iconic games we've had in the Big Ten have been against Northwestern, of all things. You know, Northwestern's that kind of team that plays everybody scrappy for the most part. They don't make a whole lot of mistakes. They play the game they want to play, and they make you play that kind of game. And it's going to be, you know, a lot of fun on it. You know, when you think about it, this is a huge game for the, the West Division. If Northwestern wins this, not saying they will, but they would be 3-0 and and have basically an up on everybody. I mean, their, their other crossover game in the East is Michigan State, who's not a bar, you know, barn burner at any point. And with such a limited schedule this year, you know, they've got an inside track at that point. So this yeah. is actually yeah. a huge game. I, I don't think anyone, when we looked at the beginning of the season, when we looked at our first four games, would have circled this Northwestern game as being critical to the schedule. We, you know, maybe we would have thought, okay, this is our chance for a win. You know, we'll worry about the others there. But this is a huge game for both teams. So this, this sets the, the tone, I think, for the rest of the season in the West, the way everyone else has looked. Absolutely. I think you hit the nail on the head there, Boomer. And, I mean, this series over the last decade has been some of the best Nebraska Big Ten games we've experienced. Uh, and we've, we won a fair amount of them, right? Uh, Honky, talking about a great series and, and going back to the vault, we do have the Redcast vault where Boomer explains the difference between NU versus NU, right? It's in our Redcast vault. You can find it. I, I also put it out there on social media. Take a listen to it this week, uh, Redcasters. It's just six minutes long, and it's Boomer giving the history of uh, Nebraska being in you. And it, there's a really neat story. Some guy, Beanie, some football player for Nebraska back in like the early 1900s, and he went out drinking before a game. It, it's just good old-fashioned football talk there. As far as this week goes, it's, it's disappointing that we don't have any fans in the stands because Nebraska usually does pretty well there in Evanston with that. So That's right. And despite some unbearable alumni that, that are on ESPN from, <laughs> from Northwestern, I actually really like this team. They're a, they're a gritty team. Yeah. They play smart ball. I really like Fitzgerald. Yep. So it – it's never a team you could count out. I don't care. I don't care what our record is going into this game. You cannot discount Northwestern. They will never beat themselves. They will always be in the game. And if you make mistakes against them, they'll make you pay for it. And I mean, eventually that's got to be what people say about us. But I mean, right now, this is boom. You're right. Maybe nobody would point to this game and say this will define our season. But at the same time, I would have never just glazed over Northwestern and say this is an automatic win. Sure. And this is such a typical kind of Northwestern year. I'm like, you count them out. Here they come. You know, they're gritty and they're just they're just kind of always there. They're just kind of always there to 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 ruin somebody's season. And right now, you're right, boom. They're in the control of the West, and and this this game is monumental but fortunately yeah the, it, everybody knows <laughs> a team's greatest jump is from week one by into week three yeah. after another team cancels because they don't know how to handle business i've seen it all before and now scoring explosion the offensive breakdown 
handoff to Tyler Goodson. And he is brought down by Blake Gallagher. These three linebackers for Northwestern, they are tackling machines. And you, you talk to Pat Fitzgerald, Northwestern's head coach, about him. And he goes, it just gives me comfort. We don't have to be risky with our play calls. You know, those three guys are such good players and smart that you can get your defense called. And they've seen so much. They know where the ball is going to go, what fundamental or what angle leverage they got to play in. All right, fellas, it's scoring explosion time where we take a look at the Nebraska offense and, and this week taking on that Northwestern defense. And, you know, Honky, this Northwestern team bouncing back from last year's really disappointing campaign, a lot of injuries last year on both sides of the ball. And it looks like this year they are playing with a chip on their shoulder. That's how Pat Fitzgerald's best teams usually do, right? And uh, they are off to a really great start so far on that defensive side of the ball. How do you think Nebraska is going to be attacking this Wildcat D? Without even looking at who the opponent is, I hope we can look at ourselves and say, what is the thing that we do best? Let's try to impose our will regardless of who that team is. Because right now, what I'm looking at is a Northwestern defense that's held Maryland to 21 rushing attempts to 64 yards. They held Iowa 23 rushes for 77 yards. Okay, so they have a strong rush defense, or at least they played against teams that didn't want to run against them. I'm not sure what the heck Iowa was thinking, throwing at 50 sometimes, but whatever. 23 but, attempts, that's got to be like a decade-low attempt <laughs> for Iowa. Iowa. <laughs> but So that's Northwestern's D, though, right? This is a Big Ten game, right? They're going to pound you on defense and, and try to take away your run. But Nebraska, we ran for six-plus yards a rush against Ohio State, which is pretty impressive when you look at Penn State just ran for 1.6 yards against the, the Buckeyes. So... I mean, we can run the ball. I don't think we should hesitate one second to try to run the ball on these guys either. This is a different kind of a attack, too. I don't think that we need to just go between the tackles the way that I would have said we really needed to attack Ohio State. I think we can get more on the corners on these guys, too, for what it's worth. But Mills, it definitely starts with getting him the ball here. Uh, it's the old bell cow thing. But I would love nothing more to see 25 carries for Mills, and I would love to see 15 carries for the Ronald Tompkins kind of guy. And this isn't a game where I would necessarily say I'd need 20 out of Martinez. I think Martinez, this could be a, a, a 8 to 12 kind of run game. You know, Mac, we talk about player development and winning in the trenches. And this is an example where we are always going to out-recruit Northwestern. But they have their O-linemen and, and D-linemen in their program for a long time and they uh, churn out some pretty darn good players. And this will be a great test for Nebraska's power-up movement, right? Mm -hmm. The Zach Uval, War Daddy, we're getting bigger, we're getting stronger. It looked like against Ohio State, we looked like a Big Ten line on both sides of the ball. Um, We're going to find out this week if that really is paying off. Yeah, I remember last year when Frost was talking about it, he said, you know, culture eats scheme for breakfast. And I feel like this is the kind of time where we need to see where our culture is at. We're not going to be about scheme, these guys. When you're talking about those linebackers they have, they are veteran. They are smart. We're not going to be able to trick them. We're not going to be able to fool them. They're going to make their fits. So it's going to come down to can we out-physical them. And it's interesting, too, because – I agree with you 100%. We need to use Mills, and we need maybe not to use our quarterbacks as much. And 
But our first game, the, the only game film they have of this is, this year is a really kind of interesting game plan. The way we used Luke and the way we didn't use Wandell and the way we really attacked with Adrian, but we didn't really hit anybody with our running backs. So there might be some kind of some type of advantage we have there in terms of who we really are. But I can say this for sure. Our offensive line is ready to mash. And I, I, you know, listening to the player press conference today, you know, Farniak in particular was saying, you know, we know what they're going to do. They're going to hit us. We're going to have to hit them. It's going to have to be a little bit of a, a contest of wills. And it will be four quarters mm-hmm. because they proved it last week. They what? can be down 17 points. They're not going to go away. They will not panic. They're going to keep doing what they need to do. And what Nebraska needs to do is clean up the mental errors and be as fundamentally sound as we have ever seen them. If we do that, if we if we stay fundamentally sound and we stay within the framework of what our offense does, we should be okay. Not that's not to say we walk away with this game, but we should be okay. That's and that's really what I want to see. This is a very important game. I don't know if it's a statement game just yet, but if we're gonna if we're gonna have any hopes or if I you know if we're gonna take some comfort in the direction of this program. Northwestern's the perfect team to show it against because because sure. they they aren't gonna, they're they're not going to be the team that's fumbling and, and turning the ball over and and making it easy for us. We're going to have to play these guys the entire game. I think we can do it, but <laughs> that's more hope than it is the knowledge. You know what I'm saying? You know, Boomer, what Mac is describing is a, a clean game, right? And Frost uh, talked about having a, a major corner being turned here in the program. Do you feel like just simply playing a really clean, fundamentally sound game would be an indication of that from a culture standpoint? Well, absolutely. I mean, that's been one of the things that we've always talked about that has just killed us in so many past games. How many times do you you see people talk about Nebraska shooting itself in the foots? And how many games it cost us last year, whether it's just penalties or you know, untimely fumbles or special teams imploding? You know, those are the kind of things that cost you games. And that's just what average teams do. They just make those mistakes. And that keeps you from taking that step to the next level. And Northwestern's a team that just generally doesn't do that when they're on. Uh, I think this year they're leading, I think, college football currently in turnover margins per game. I think they're at about plus two. They they generate turnovers, which is one of the things we want to do. Those are the kind of steps we need to take if we want to take this program to the next level. So, Honky, let's talk a little X's and O's here. Um, so, Northwestern's linebacker core is is really good and experienced, right? Uh, Patty Fisher, the name just screams Northwestern linebacker, <laughs> right? Yeah. That just sounds like you're supposed to play linebacker at, at Northwestern. Um, Blake Gallagher. Uh, apparently, just a whole bunch of Irish uh, guys playing uh, for Northwestern, right? Mac, um, Chris Bergen. These guys are really good. Chris Fremont Bergen. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> how from, and Mac, jump in here too. I don't care. But how from an X and O standpoint can you try to get these guys out of position? You know, what type of uh, scheme here is going to somehow take these guys out of their element and uh, take advantage of our skill position players, and and maybe if we're running along the the trenches, you know, how do we attack this Northwestern D? I'd like to do a little strength on strength right away. Yep, I'd like to go out there and instead of just trying to trick them or outspeed them and and spread them out, I'd love to come out there with some tight ends out there on the field and at least start the game playing a physical style. Let's run it right at them for the you know the first 
you know, series or so. Let's see how they adjust with that. I think we can get outside of them on top of that. But, you know, let's throw a, a Mills right at them. We have a new little tradition going on Thursdays where we rewatch the game together. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were watching the Ohio State game and watching our O-line, Jurgens. Oh, my gosh. How physically aggressive he is. He's truly enjoying it. it like, getting to the next level, hitting linebackers. Like, that's the matchup I want to see. I want to see Jurgens on Patty Fisher. That's going to be fun. We watched the left guard, and it was Ethan Piper was the guy that stood out out of all the three left guards that were playing for us you know, two weeks ago. Just seeing physical play like that. I want to see it start with that, but I think this is a team that once we start to, to bunch that defense up, once we get those guys to maybe come up on us, I think we can take some shots on them. Well, And, and Wandell had a breakout game last yeah, year against absolutely. Northwestern, and, and he was a guy that – we really didn't get isolated in space against Ohio State, and he, he's ready to go. I, I like the way the offensive line is meshing. You, you mentioned Piper, but you're just seeing a lot of great, big athletes playing on offense right or on the offensive line right now. That's what it's going to take. We're going to have to get into these guys' face mm-hmm. and move them around and let our running backs hit the hole hard. Let the quarterback. I, I mean, I know you said you don't want to see the quarterbacks run as much. The number isn't as, as important as the timing of it. When it's time to do it, you've got to explode. The way Adrian was doing his zone read and when he ripped the ball out and explode, yeah. that's what you have to see. There can be no indecision because this is not a team, like I said earlier, they're not a team that's going to be fooled by anything. You know, you're know, you just going to have to go hit them. You're going yeah, to have zone, to go play them. Zone reads to me are almost a whole different thing because now that's a quarterback making a decision. The play call isn't necessarily for him to be the runner, but if that's what he sees, then he's going to become the runner. You know, Ohio State ran into that the first game with us where Fields had a, a number of runs, and they're like, we don't really want him running, but he's making a decision. He's seeing something in our defense, and, and he's taking off, right? So it'd that's, be interesting, too, to see if – if we do some more eye formation this week, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you see it again this week, then, man, that's clearly going to be part of our identity going forward, which I would love. You know, and, and maybe you put Mills as that mm-hmm. up back. And then if we can get Ronald Tompkins in there as well, we've got some guys we haven't even tapped into our wide receivers yet. You know, sure. Even that last play, the very last play against Ohio State when Elante Brown got the ball, you know, those little slant route running over the middle, and he juked the heck out of an Ohio State guy and got about four or five more yards out of it. We've got some outside talent that we haven't even exploited yet. And if this offense is working, if this offense is flowing, and we're doing a good job in the offensive line, we present a bunch of matchup problems that I don't think well, they can so, match athletically with so us. So this is something that, that But Frost, that's all a, a moot point if we're, if we're turning the ball over. Well, know. and that's something that Frost talked about today in the, uh, the presser was about how Northwestern, you, you're going to have 11 11- eyes 11 defensive guys that are all looking at the ball uh they do a good job of having 11 sets of eyes on the football at all times you don't see guys with their backs to the ball you know in the iowa game they got a couple tip picks and um that happens when a lot of guys are watching the football a lot of guys are rallying to where they need to they're pursuing well uh so they're going to create turnovers but they they capitalize on a lot because of how disciplined they are and how good they are with their eyes and their effort and Seems like it's been that way since I've been watching them. Such a great point, too. And I think what that kind of tells me is, from a a pure talent standpoint, I don't know that they're going to just try to come up and man up on everybody. This is more of a zone defense. And in that sense, by playing against that kind of defense that's sitting there staring at the the quarterback, if we're expecting uh, Martinez to sit in the pocket and pick this defense apart and throw it, we're going to be 
right in line with what Iowa and Maryland did, which was throw three interceptions each against this team. Right yeah, now, they, it, they have six picks in two games. And Martinez, we don't need tough passes. What we need is run, run, pound it, and now let's make an easy play-action pass. A guy going deep, and let's confuse their eyes. If we've got 11 sets of eyes on our players, let's give them a lot to look at so that they're confused. If they're coming up because they see another run, and it's play-action, and now we're hitting them deep— Let's use that against them. But if we're sitting in a pocket, if we're Iowa and we're just throwing crossing route after crossing yeah, route, balls get are getting forty attempts passing. Well, and balls I'm are getting probably not, and not balls are getting tipped up in the air. That's what happened against Iowa. Balls are getting tipped up in the air, and that's how they're catching them. I mean, my goodness, let's not get into that game. Mm-hmm. Hey Mac, I wanted to uh, go back and, and touch on a topic you brought up just a minute ago, and that was Ethan Piper playing, and you said. We watching the game. You're looking at the the O line there, and it seems like we actually do have some rotation there, some depth being created. Uh, what do you see in the the game papers of Ohio State? That's a great point, Dave, because it is the first game of the year. You might think we would try to just keep our top five guys out there the entire game, and yet Greg Austin, the new run game coordinator, feeling comfortable enough with his guys to get an Ethan Piper out there. You saw Hickson out there. You saw Hickson play guard and center. Turner Corcoran got out there for, you know, yep. goodness sake. I'm like, and the size and the athleticism was on display. Ben Hart had a few mistakes, but you saw the nastiness in him. Mm-hmm. You know, Farniak, he's moved into a new position and I know he's I know he's been playing for a lot of a lot of games for us, but that guard he talked about on the press conference today, the speed of impact at guard, you know, that speed of making contact is a little different. So that could be your game one to three improvement that that he's now kind of acclimated himself. I expect a big comeback game from Farnia because it wasn't his best first game, but it's also his first game at that position. There's a lot going on. He went up against a you know he was going up against a great D tackle there for most of the game. The guy that that, that swam him there, Haskins, right? Uh, so I mean, goodness gracious! I mean, let's not write the guy off either. No, 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 no. It's it. it not at all. Not at all. And he's got the right mentality for a yes. guard. He's a masher. And if Northwestern wants to go man-on-man and mash with us, then I like our chances with that. I feel like we've got the physicality to move the line. Listen, we moved the line of scrimmage Here. against Ohio State. Hey, so why would I be concerned about this with, with anybody left in the country, quite frankly? Absolute- we moved the line of scrimmage. Our offensive line showed the athleticism, the power mm-hmm. to do work. So... That's without even using our top tailback more than, what, 10, 11 carries? And see, that's the thing that is so frustrating about not having the game last week. Last week's game, to me, was the validation game of, was Ohio State something that we saw in our, no. our minds? or was no. it re- no, no, because well, you can't fake physicality. But, but that's what I wanted not to see, scheme. What I, wanted to, what I wanted to see was it a second week in a row, and I wanted to see it specifically against Wisconsin, because that's their game. So, because fair. we don't that's get fair. to see it, then it's like, oh, well, you know, is it still in our mind or not? Well, then, guess what? Come out and do it against these guys. Do, go and do something that Iowa couldn't just do and that Maryland clearly didn't do two weeks ago. I mean, my gosh, if we get to 24 rushing attempts, that's the most that any team's done against this team so far this year. Lord and in heaven, need, if we don't get to 24 And we need 40. Attempts. We need 45. We need 50. Agreed. These guys here, they've run for 50 each of their first two games. We can't allow that, right? We'll talk about that on the defense. But if they want to play Big Ten football, we're ready to play it this year, so let's play it. Boom. It's time to throw the bones. Maybe if this was week seven or eight, having a week off would be nice. We've only played one game. 
I don't know. Pat, Pat's one of the smartest guys in the country, probably, but I don't know if I agree with him on that one. All right. Well, I don't know if uh, Pat Fitzgerald is uh, one of the smartest guys in the country, but the smartest guy on the Red Cast is Boomer. I know that for a fact. <laughs> fact is act. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, Boomer, you know, uh, Northwestern uh, doesn't always play pretty, right? But they tend to win games far more than what their talent would indicate. And um, there's some stats here from these first two games that the Wildcats did offensively, which wouldn't tell you that they're they're 2-0 and and in the driver's seat in the West, but here they are, right? Yeah, if you just look at just raw numbers, they're not an offensive juggernaut or anything like that. They're not turning out tons of yardage. But what they were able to do once they kind of settled down after that seven, you know, they basically spotted Iowa, you know, 17 points to start the game, they just slowly started grinding out drives. It, it was 17 to nothing at one point. The Northwestern went on a 16-play, 75-yard drive that chewed up six and a half minutes. Iowa got a field goal to respond. The Northwestern got the ball back, and what did they do? They turned out another 80-yard, about an 80-yard drive that took almost another six minutes in 14 plays, and they ran in almost all those. They weren't flashy. They weren't pretty, but it chewed up clock. It calmed everything down, and it got them right back into that game, and that's just kind of what they've done this entire season, and they've scored every time they're in the red zone, and we've covered that to start the season, how critical of a stat that is for a team to be successful. You know, as long as you're scoring points when you're in that red zone, you're going to win a lot of games, and that's what Northwestern does so far this year. Yeah, they are, they are efficient overall, at least with scoring points compared to how many yards they actually churn out. You know, Honky, to have those type of drives that Boomer just described, you have to be able to run the ball and have, win the trenches there. Um, so, Northwestern has an offensive line that uh, generated only 143 yards, but were able to sustain those drives against Iowa last week. Um, how do you think the the Husker D line will uh, approach this game? I think it's all about being physical at the point of attack. As Boomer just mentioned, I mean that's what Northwestern does, right? I mean, you know, 111 carries in two games. I mean, they're going to just keep pounding and pounding at you. And they're going to do that to try to put you in a fairly uncomfortable position. Like in the backseat of a Volkswagen? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and another thing, like you mentioned, uh, you know, we, we've covered this before. It's just being able to get off the field on third down on defense. Because uh, you look at some of those drives, Iowa had them at third and five. They converted third and five, converted third and four. They converted fourth and one. They converted. And then, you know, touchdown on third and goal. The second drive, more of the same. It's just... When you got them on third down, you've got to be able to get off the field. You can't give them those. So, Boomer, what you're saying is by getting all those third and fourth downs, that's how a team that can only average two and a half yards a carry can still manage somehow to get 58 carries. Like, that doesn't compute. That doesn't make sense to have that many carries in a game when you're only getting two and a half. But Yeah, it's exactly what it is. If but how, do, how are you getting that many plays, Dave? Well, I, I guess it's probably efficient third down conversions from their quarterback, right? Um, it feels like we're playing two teams in one here, right? So Patrick Ramsey was the Indiana quarterback last year. It's Peyton Ramsey, Dave. Peyton. Well, you know, Patrick, Peyton, P. Ramsey, Mac. P. Ramsey <laughs> for, for NWU <laughs> is uh, our nemesis here. What do you think uh, we need to do to, to get... Peyton Ramsey out of his comfort zone. We need to get him off schedule. We need to be stout on mm-hmm. first and second down and make him pass on third. But if we're going to turn the corner as a team and a defensive team, that's the bottom line. If we can't get out the field on third down, it's it's just 
everything else we're talking about is ridiculous. And Northwestern should not present the offensive challenge that Ohio State does. When mm-hmm. when your defensive backs are playing, you know, ten to twelve yards off their their wide receivers, I don't think we need to do that against Northwestern. So maybe we can come up and fill those positions. Now in the first half, we're gonna be down two guys. In the second half, if we can keep this game close in the second half, in comes the assassin, you know, and you know, we'll have him for about Two to four series, and then he'll, he'll get another. You know, homeboy needs some heavier shoes because he likes to launch, I, and I love, I love everything I've seen from Williams. But, but keep your feet on the ground, bro. I w- I want you for the rest of the season. Please keep your feet on the ground. Yeah, just some third down conversion numbers I've got here since you mentioned it. Uh, Northwestern's c- converts uh, a little over 51% of their third downs. They hold opponents to just about 35% of third down conversions. I mean, that, that'll win you a lot of games right there. In comparison with us, we only have the one game. Granted, uh, we convert 40% of our third downs, and Ohio State converted 61.5% of third downs. So And seems, all of their fourth downs. Yeah, and all their fourth time. downs. Yeah. Yeah, some yeah. of them when they even had knees on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that too. Yeah. That's right. Ramsey has run it 19 times for 73 yards and a touchdown in the first two games. And I don't think of him as a real running threat by any means. And if he becomes a running threat in this game, that's a bad sign for us. That like that can't happen right away. He needs to not be a part of their running game, a successful part of their running game, at least against us. But back to the point about the targeting, though, <laughs> we do need a little bit of targeting management, and <laughs> and some of that is, that is a coordinator position. I mean, we're 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 available. We there have, are better we have times. Playcock manager, and now we have a target control <laughs> manager. Dave, there are better times than not to get targeting, and and second halves that hold you out the next game are not the time. Yeah, Deontay probably should work on uh, only getting targeting calls late in the first half, so he only misses the second half of that game, opposed to carrying it over for the next week. You know, Isaiah Bowser is going to be one of their talent guys, their running back. Uh, Who in their wide receiving core? I remember, it always seems like Northwestern has this one guy who is like that possession receiver who just catches everything you throw at him, and he's just frustrating as all heck because he doesn't look like he should do anything, but he ends up catching 12 balls for 100 yards. Uh, Boomer, is there someone on that roster that we need to be paying attention to? They've got uh, two receivers that have kind of been their go-to guys. Uh, one is Kyrick McGowan, another Irish name to, to go with the theme. Uh, he's got about seven catches, averaging about 10 yards a catch. The other guy, oh gosh, I don't know if I can even say his name. Rahmuj Chiakio Bowman. We, we call him RCB. You know, he's averaging about the same. They've got a tight end they've gone to a few times. They've just got, like you said, those guys, when they need that 10 yards or 15 yards, they've got a whole slew of receivers and running backs they're able to go to for those. So just typical Northwestern. They've just got various players. They'll just kind of filter in when they when they need it. Not a go-to guy, though. You know, it's crazy, guys. I was just thinking about this with, with Deontay Williams. For the short amount of time that he's ever actually been on the field for the Huskers, I feel like he's been a part of a lot of our turnovers on defense. Even the last fumble of the last game, he was a big part of smoking that guy and getting that ball yeah. out. And he's had scoops. Big interception at the end of the Michigan game. Yeah, I mean, like, ago, the guy, that's thing. the kind of guy we need on the field. We need those kind of playmakers out there. That's why I'm saying heavier cleats by Adidas. <laughs> Something that weighs him down in some, in some form. So, Mac... Who do you think will uh, be in those shoes uh, will, mm. with Williams on the sideline? Are we expecting 
Miles Farmer, uh, Gates. Who's who's playing that role? That's a really good question. And with Taylor Britt out, are we expecting maybe uh, Joseph to actually get some playing time? Is it Quentin Newsom? I think Quentin Newsom will be first off. I'd be interested to see if if they move DiCaprio back to safety a little bit more, and because he's played there quite a bit, and and move another one of those young guys up. We haven't seen much of Noah Gates. Um, but you know, another guy that got a lot of playtime was Gifford. And that guy is a physical kind of specimen. He's out there. He's, <laughs> he's another one of those guys. I'm like, I think he's going to hit hard and any, any more. It's almost a concern in the secondary if you have a really physical player. But look for those young guys to step up there because Travis Fisher has done an excellent job. I feel like of recruiting his position group and. I'm concerned, I guess, because I, I would love to have Cam Taylor-Britt and Deontay Williams because I do feel like those are some of our biggest playmakers. They are some of our biggest playmakers on defense. But if we're trusting the recruiting of him, and I do, mm-hmm. and we're, we're trusting in, in Rivals' uh, star rankings, which I'm told are very important, I think we've got some guys in there that I'm excited to see. And I don't feel like Northwestern's necessarily going to push us vertically. You know, it's going to be more about physicality from our secondary than it's going to be about coverage. Yeah. I could be wrong, but I mean, like, I feel like when I, when I see some of these numbers that they're putting up here, it's, it's, it's not the offense well, and it's not, explosiveness that concerns yeah, me. It's, it's not scaring you necessarily. No. And when you speak of youth, I mean, think about Taylor Britt right now at quarterback. And the two guys that are basically replacing him this week, I mean, you have Quentin Newsom's a retro freshman, and you have true freshman Ronald Delancey. I mean, those are two of the guys that Ooh, are going to yeah, be right up there. yeah, I forgot about Delancey. So it is a youth movement, and we knew that about this secondary. This secondary is a very experienced veteran starting four or five guys, and then right behind it you get into this hodgepodge of a bunch of Freshman, redshirt freshman, does that Joseph, the junior college transfer, does he you oh, know yeah. start to play at some point? I mean, we don't know, right? It's a bunch of guys you know a lot about, backed up by a bunch of guys that we don't know a lot about yet. It'd be interesting to see the personal grouping of the front seven, too. I'm like, are we going to see more Caleb Tanner? Yeah. Or are we going to see more of a Garrett Nelson or more of a Nick Henrick type? You know, he, you know, Hulk, we were watching that play against uh, Justin Fields, and there was one play where he was setting the edge. Justin Fields cut up inside of him. And he made maybe seven or eight yards, but Henrik made the tackle. But more importantly, he set the, the edge, edge and he got him inside. I think we could all agree Justin Fields is a very good player. Yes. I think we could all agree that Peyton Ramsey probably isn't quite as elusive as that guy. So maybe in, in that context, that play gets made. There was there was another play where Garrett Nelson, you remember what was it? He was Doing the zone read, he shuffles down and he makes a tackle. Like his footwork was just impeccable. Yeah, and it, was came- a, it was like a third and short. Yeah, even. it was a th- yeah. And he comes across. It was like a zone read, and he came across and set the edge, uh, forced Justin Fields to hand the ball off, forced him to hand it off, and then he shuffles down and makes a tackle on the handoff too, or was at least a part of the tackle. It was a great play, great fundamentals, and that was a a Nelson play there. So yeah, to that point there, I mean that's. We're gonna. It's youth. It's it's guys that have to step up there. But we're already getting those guys to do it. So and, and going back to that front seven, I can't express to you how thrilled I was by the play of Casey Rogers. I'm like that guy came mm-hmm. out to play. He I like his attitude. I like the way he carries himself. He's a man out there, and he is ready to play. He's not he's not intimidated by the moment, and he is young. He is yep. young. On top of that, you still got Ty Robinson out there, who's you see flashes of. I think he's still got some room to grow. And then you see Ben Stilley out there, the, the old cagey old veteran. Yep. You know, the, you know, 
Northwestern's got their veterans. We've got a few veterans. You know, the, the three guys you just mentioned, the guy that I would like to see in next, the number four, I think is Keem Green. I, yeah, he, he was starting to play quite a and bit. Showed there and showed quite that, a bit of hustle, and showed a lot of hustle there. If Jordan Riley gets healthy here, I think he's a guy that can get into that mix. And we haven't even talked about you know some of the other veteran guys yet. The the Damian Daniels and DeAndre Thomas is there. So I mean, there's there's plenty of names. We talked there's about plenty. Honus playing a heck of a game. We mm-hmm. even talked you know like Northwestern's got its hands full too. Mm-hmm. Let's not make it sound like they they just know what's going to happen. You know, like, we are going to come up and hit them. I'm not worried about that at all. As far as physicality, Northwestern's got their hands full. We're going to smoke them. I didn't mean to say smoke them, but we're going to hit them. (laughs) Then smoke them. So, Boomer, as a um, former equipment manager and (laughs) part-time horticulturist, Northwestern's notorious for trying to slow their opponents down by having ankle uh, deep grass there. Maybe maybe because it's later in the season, we usually play Northwestern early, it feels like. Maybe the grass is starting to die off already. What's the opportunities here? Yeah, I think the weather plays in, you know, plays into our advantage there. Like I said, the grass should be a little kind of brown and, and kind of gone dormant for the rest of the season. And, you know, maybe that's an advantage for the secondary. They're not going to be able to get a good launch if the grass is a little longer. It'll kind of keep those. <laughs> good point, Boomer. So maybe that's what we need for to keep the targeting good down. Point. So let's look on the bright side of that. Well, speaking of the weather, Chicago, it looks like it's going to be mid-50s or so, somewhere around kickoff. It says a high of 64 on Saturday, they're sunny, so I mean, we're not Man, expecting how- any kind of crazy, you know, snow, ice kind of Big Ten November game. So the the weather, I think, actually does play in our favor in that sense. I think we should expect a how beautiful good conditions. Been, and- how beautiful it would have been this weekend in Lincoln to have a game. Oh, geez. I mean, it was gorgeous out, and it was just like one more college football Saturday we didn't get to play. But I digress. Well, Dave, let's move on to some roster management before we get to the mailbag. And there were uh, three different things that have happened so far to the roster in the last week. One of them was that we picked up our first defensive line commit of the 2021 recruiting class, and that was with getting 6'8", 280-pound defender from California, Jalen Weaver. Dave, 6'8", 280, I mean, that sounds like exactly the prototype of what we're going after in this conference, right? These guys just get bigger and bigger. I don't even know how that happens. How do you become six foot eight, two eighty? It's just extraordinary. And yeah, it sounds like a little bit of um, a raw talent, uh, but good to tap into that California market and uh, could have a lot of potential. I'd say he could grow into that role, but he's a pretty big dude already. Yeah, Barry Collier would have loved to have guys this well, size. You know, Schaefer was talking about it too, and it sounds on the recruiting hour. I love that show, but he was saying he's kind of had a recent growth spurt. So, like, if you look at his highlights, he's almost kind of awkward. He was, like, just kind of a new big kid almost, yeah. and, and he's kind of growing in that position. I won't call him a project guy, but he's a developmental guy. I, I feel like that's the kind of – you know, we say this all the time. You know, Zach Duvall, he gets those long, lean athletes and, and turns them into – monsters and we're not in a position right now where he has to come in and play right away like we would have been two or three years ago at this point we've got some of these guys in the system in the pipeline now that are ready to go so you you take a guy like this knowing that in two years from now that guy's gonna be a monster you know and the same with that the the linebacker what say his name for me honk you're always really good at pronouncing names like chris carl Kolarevic? Uh, <laughs> Chris Novoselic? <laughs> no. Uh, Nirvana's bass, man. Uh, no. He's got eligibility left. 
we we also got to Max Point here. We got a uh, FCS standout from Northern Iowa, a linebacker that's going to transfer here. Uh, he'll play next season for NU. Uh, last year, he had 79 tackles and two sacks. So, and, and quite honestly, I think he kind of fits just size wise and everything. Really, a Big Ten kind of linebacker. And one more guy, sort you of Honus 2.0. You add into the mix, right? I mean, what's the expectation of an of a FCS linebacker moving up here? We're not expecting him to be all Big Ten next year, right? So, mm-hmm. come in here, compete. And if you can earn a spot or if you earn a backup role or whatever, I mean, a special teams guy, whatever it is, that's what you're, this you're bringing a guy like but that this. will be for. how we kind of, this will be how we sneaky build up our talent as, as a roster is you, you'll take these junior college guys. As soon as we build up the youth that we have to be contributors, these are the guys you can take, get them in the system for a year or so, and then mm-hmm. put them out on the field. And then we compete. Yeah. Well, and the, the last guy we brought in is a, a walk on. Uh, weeping Water offensive lineman Weston Ryman, and uh, he's 6'2", 285 pounds. He began his high school career at Auburn before transferring to, to Weeping Water, so that's a Class D guy. Again, that's how you build these classes at Nebraska. That's what it looks like. It is some big guys from mm-hmm. the highly recruited states in the country. Well, and we've never get, gotten a good player you get out your, of Auburn. And then you get your yeah, – I mean, there's never been an NFL player yeah, or two The Kelsey Auburn, brothers, right? right? Yeah. Oh, was, shoot. Yeah, I forgot about but you look at our recruiting class right now, and by getting uh, Weaver from California, we now have a California kid, we have a Utah kid, we have a Texas kid, we have some Florida kids, we have some Georgia kids, right? I mean, we've hit all around the, the, the borders of this country, and yet at 20 players, we have 20 players in this class right now, nine of them are from basically Nebraska and the surrounding states. In fact, the state that has the most recruits in this class is Nebraska with five. Iowa has three. We have one from South Dakota. It's the perfect mix yeah. of and local we get and national and Dickerson guys. to see the light and stop thinking about rowing the boat and coming back to Nebraska, you know, add another to that list. You that's could. my I'm calling that's my crystal ball, even though we don't do crystal balls, but that's my crystal ball. Dickerson's coming home. You've got mail. believe I'm going to be a mailman. What's in the bag? A shark or something? Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. All right, Honk, let's crack open that mailbag. What do we have this week? Well, Dave, this week, it's kind of a mix of we've got some of the the oldies but goodies that have sent us questions in the past, but I'm going to start with a a newbie, a, a virgin to the Redcast mailbag, and that is C.R. Gilf Muller, who sent us an email at the Go Big Redcast at Gmail inbox, and he said, I listened to you guys relentless, even knowing your cast comes out on Wednesday, not counting the new Betcast, I still check Spotify every day just in case. Maybe it's the scarlet-colored glasses I wear, but my question is this. Whiskey is in COVID timeout. Iowa lost to Purdue. Can NU win out in the West and make Kevin expletive face Warren choose between a five and two Nebraska versus a five and one or five and zero Wisconsin? Because we all know they'll trip up or miss another COVID. Year. First off, I appreciate his PG rating of that, but I no, he I, actually wrote the real word. I I put expletive in place of that. Well, then I extra appreciate that because <laughs> I also agree with Kevin expletive face Warren. So I'm going to direct that question to Boomer. And I guess, you know, out, out of all that, if Nebraska wins out in the West, you know, would Kevin Warren have to choose between a 5-2 and two Nebraska or a 5-1, and 5-0 and oh Wisconsin? How would that work? 
Well, uh, first off, I'd just like to to thank Gil for listening to all of our shows, uh, the Redcast and the Bedcast. It's good, and whatever you want to call Kevin Warren, that's fine. Please feel free to do so. You know, when it comes down to the who wins the division, that's not Kevin Warren's decision. That is in place when this whole season started again for the third time that we've had. It's it's not an issue if does he get to choose between a five and two Nebraska and a five and one Wisconsin or a five and a Wisconsin? No, that criteria is already established. the The Big Ten currently is using conference win percentage to decide who wins the division. So, if Nebraska goes five and two and Wisconsin goes five and one, well, Wisconsin wins because they have a better win percentage in conference. You do currently have to play a minimum of six games to be eligible to win your division. So if for some reason, which is not totally out of the realm of possibility, Wisconsin doesn't get to play Purdue this week, maybe they only end up with, you know, five or so games by the end of the season, they're not eligible. That can change if there's a whole bunch more cancellations. They'll kind of reweigh the average of what it's going to take to be eligible to win the post, to be, to win your division. But uh, right now, you have to play six games minimum, and it's based on overall conference win percentage, not division. It's not Kevin Warren's choice, so you can at least rest assured he's not setting out to screw us over that way. All right. Hmm. Well, thank you for the question, Gilf. The next question comes from Huskernut via Twitter, and he said, Assuming contact tracing could pinpoint the cause of a team's breakout, should how someone catches COVID affect their punishment? i.e. breaking rules, going to a party, etc. So I'm going to ask this to Mac, and I'm just going to speak for Husker Nut here. I'm going to assume maybe what he is referencing is like Graham Mertz as an example or one of the Wisconsin guys. If if it came back that they were at a party or they were doing something that they shouldn't, and again, this would have to be all contact tracing, but if they could determine that's where they caught it, mm-hmm. should that affect the outcome like it should all of a sudden you be forfeiting instead of not forfeiting and doing whatever the heck the, the Big Ten saying they should do. Yeah, 100% it should because as Boomer just illustrated, if they went out and we went out because of their win percentage, they get to go and we don't. So it absolutely should affect it. If they found pictures of him at a party and that's where they decided or discovered that he got it, yeah, it should affect it. You know, again, this is all hypothetical. We're not saying he was. We're just saying. Nah, yeah. I'm saying he was. <laughs> but I'd be like, but I just. Adrian Martinez was asked this question directly about, like, the sacrifices the team has had to make in regards to what are you going to do to protect yourself and your team to play football. And he said, yeah, we've had to make sacrifices. We don't go out as much in the weekend. You know, Mm -hmm. we we stay in our little bubble. And if you're serious about playing football, which we have been, Nebraska, and you're serious about your team and playing for your brother to your right and the brother to your left, then that's what you do. Now, I don't know that Wisconsin didn't do that. I think they didn't. Maybe this is a transparency kind of issue. We wanted out of the Big Ten all well, summer. Yeah, will we ever even hear it? We wanted transparency out of the Big Ten over the summer. I think when teams do end up yeah. canceling the way that Wisconsin did, it would be nice to have some it, transparency on what happened, why, how, if possible. I realize that it's that's about not as always transparent easy, as mud. You know, there's yeah. there's no transparency, and there's there'll be no consequences for Wisconsin whatsoever, no, I, especially if it would favor Nebraska at all. And that's not conspiracy theory. That's just a trend that has been going on since this whole thing hit. So, yes, Husker Nut, there should be consequences. Will there be? No. But if it was if it was to come out through some sort of leak of some type, 
it won't matter. Yeah. It won't matter. But it, there should be. If, if we were doing things the right way, there should be. I feel like most of our players have been doing things the right way. Well, and to your point, doing the right way, Frost even talked about that today, how on, on Halloween night – they brought in the team and they watched yeah. some scary movies and stuff. They're doing everything they could. Again, we're doing things the right way, and they're doing things to try to prevent players from putting themselves in positions that would compromise. It was themselves. almost prophetic the week prior when he said, "You'd all, you know, if you want to find a way not to play, you can do that. If you want to find a way to play, you can do that too." Boy, was that true? Yeah. And, and that's what we're dealing with. All right. Well, thank you, Husker Nutt. Speaking of Wisconsin, we had a couple of questions that kind of dealt with, are there ways that we could still find a way to play them this season? Um, I know Husker Hype, uh, we had a conversation back and forth with him on Twitter about, you know, maybe switching up the crossover games in two weeks. Boomer, you were responding to him on that. And uh, we had a question from Jared Hardy on Instagram. He goes, I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but let's say we win out and Wisconsin wins out, but only has six games. Is there ever a situation where we'd make up that Wisconsin game and push the championship back a week? Addressing both those questions, first off with the Husker hype, he had suggested um, the week we play Penn State, Wisconsin supposed to play Michigan. He suggested maybe instead of playing that game, you just give uh, Michigan and Penn State a bye and we play Wisconsin. That's not going to happen because that kind of throws the East into a whole you know convoluted mess. I mean, theoretically, it's possible that Michigan could still win the East. You know, there's a lot of things that can happen. They've lost one game that could still. They could still beat Ohio State. Things could still happen there. And then just from a TV perspective alone, if you think about it, if you're scheduling games, what would you rather have? The one game with Nebraska versus Wisconsin, or would you rather have Nebraska-Penn State and Wisconsin-Michigan to be able to put both those out there? Just just for the money alone, you're going to want that. So that's sure. going to happen. You're not you're not going to cancel that game. Well, chances but, are the Nebraska game will have the highest ratings, so though. Of course it will. I mean, and we'll be watching it 75 times alone to you know kind of boost that up. So <laughs> Honky and I will be watching it. Well, exactly. Times. Yeah. So you know that's just not going to happen. And uh, you know, with Jared's question, yeah, you could say we'll push it back week. The Big Ten championship is scheduled for December 19th. The problem with that is December 20th is college football playoff selection day. So you cannot push that back another week unless everybody has three or four losses and nobody cares what the Big Ten is doing as far as playoff scenarios go at that point. Are you telling us that the Big Ten has not provided us any time for any kind of uh, – there's no room? Yeah, there's no leeway, any way, shape, or form built into this schedule. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, I guess the Pac-12 and the MAC are probably worse than we are, but the MAC chances for playoffs are slim. You know, um, who knows what Ohio is going to do this year, <laughs> but good good luck, Solich. But, uh, yeah, it's there, there's not a lot of leeway here. You know, Honky, uh, another part of that is uh, they announced the uh, the bowl schedule this year. 37 bowls now potentially are going to be played since there's now more teams playing. And they start on December 19th. Oh, God. <laughs> the last day of the regular season for the Big Ten and the same time as our, our championship game. So, obviously, uh, the Big Ten won't have any teams in those games. But it, it's quite likely that Big Ten teams will be not really even taking a week off before they play in a bowl game, I'm guessing. Yeah, wow. Unless it's us. Um, <laughs> yeah. They'll give us a couple weeks off. <laughs> um, well, thank you for those questions. Next up is is one of our favorite mailbaggers, uh, Richard Fitzwell. <laughs> and Dave, this question is for you. Coach Frost said today he feels NU is about to turn a corner. What does that mean to you? 
Well, we kind of started talking about this a little bit um, already, but I, I think Mac w- was on the right track when he talked about playing a, a clean game and, and playing a mistake-free game uh, against a team that you should be able to, to beat, which is Northwestern and, and out them. I was looking at Ohio State. Uh, they played Northwestern last year, beat them, I think, 52-3 to or something like that. Played Northwestern in the Big Ten title game two years ago and beat them 45-24. So that's what you want to start seeing. Now, I'm not saying that we're going to beat Northwestern by three, four, or five touchdowns like the, the Buckeyes, but um, ultimately, if we are going to turn the proverbial corner um, as a program, you should start to be able to play clean games and allows your talent and your execution level to beat teams that aren't as good as you. And that's the situation where we, as Husker fans, experienced for decades upon decades. So it, our first opportunity to do that is Saturday in Evanston. Well, sticking with Richard Fitzwell, uh, he had a question. And this, I'm going to go around the room with these last two. Uh, Richard's question was, what was the best play on offense and on defense that the Huskers had against Wisconsin? Extra points for creativity. Uh, considering we didn't play, I guess you can make up anything you want. So no one better to start with than Boomer here. So, uh, you know, what was the best play Nebraska had last weekend against Wisconsin? Uh, I'm just going to go with uh, William Pristop's, uh punt. It actually was a fake and a pass for a first down, which uh, led us to our uh, first score to take the lead at 7 nothing against Wisconsin, which uh, set the tone. And uh, they were rocked from there. And uh, we ended up winning the game 31-14. to Nice. Mm. All right. Mac, how about you? Um, in the uh, beginning of the second half, Cam Taylor-Britt breaks up a pass and De- uh, Deontay Williams destroys whoever the wide receiver was. And then Caleb Tanner picks off the tip ball and runs it back for a touchdown. Boom. <laughs> Dave, what do you think? Well, I don't know if I can top that one. How about maybe uh, Luke pitching to Adrian as a halfback and a deep ball to Omar Manning for nice. a touchdown. Mine was Deontay Williams made a tackle and did not get called for targeting. <laughs> so we'll move on to the last question. This is from Tony Hayek via Twitter. And he said, if the two candidates for president were Desmond Howard and Paul Feinbaum, who would you be voting for? Again, I will start with you, Boomer. Well, if anyone knows me, my general rule of thumb with uh, democracy is it just doesn't work, and I've long advocated for rescinding the Louisiana Purchase and reverting to French rule at this point. Uh, Yeah, I just would have to sit out at that election. Yeah, not a chance. Mac, who are you voting for? You can also write in, I suppose. Neither one of them can read, so (laughs) they're really good at misinterpreting quotes, so that's difficult to... Fine bombs more of an SEC homer. Yeah, I'd probably slap Fine Bond and punch Desmond Howard in the gut <laughs> and call it a call it a day. <laughs> oh, was that not the question? I Sorry. don't know. <laughs> I it's a it's a qualified answer, Dave. What do you think? <laughs> I'm just gonna TP the trees in Auburn. I have no idea on that one. <laughs> okay, so you're poisoning trees in Auburn. That makes sense. So actually, the fact that Desmond Howard's a Big Ten guy drives me a little more crazy that he is so anti Husker. Yeah, I'll vote for Fine Bond. Okay. Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. Makes sense. All right, Dave. Well, that's uh, this week's mailbag. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Tone. Oh, by the way, happy birthday, buddy. Tony is the uh, inventor of the Huskar position, as far as you know. We're trying to get the actual name of the Huskar. Huskar, Yeah. So we'll just keep that movement going as as a 
Wandell has a humongous game against Northwestern. I like it. I like it. All right, let's get into our parting shots and our predictions. Honky? I'll start with my prediction, and it's the same prediction I've given every time I talk about Northwestern. Uh, Nebraska will win, and we're going to win 5-3. to three. Mm-hmm. Uh, As far as my parting shots go, Doc Sadler sent out a tweet the other night, and uh, this was a, a shock to me. I didn't know it had happened. He goes, thoughts and prayers from Husker Nation <laughs> on the passing of Ray Richardson, who uh, – Played from 88 to 90, Nebraska basketball player, oh, a three-point specialist, Dave. I mean, I think you and I were probably the, the two on the show here that know that era as much as anyone from Nebraska ball, but he was one of my favorite players at the time, so that was a real shocker to hear. And and uh, so certainly the Redcasts, our condolences go out to the Richardson family. The other parting shot I have is tomorrow is election day, and so whether you're a Democrat, Republican, Independent, Libertarian, whatever – we welcome all of you into Redcast Nation. So that's that's all I got to say there, Dave. All right, good stuff. Uh, speaking of that era of Nebraska basketball, we also lost Billy Tubbs um, oh, that's last right. day or two, Oklahoma coach and uh, nemesis of uh, our beloved Danny Nee. So, uh, Boomer, what do you have? Well, I'm just impressed we can put this long of a show together in a week we don't even play, so that's, that's always good. Um, glad to see we're in midseason form already. Uh, my only thing is... Uh, I've kind of actually enjoyed watching Husker Twitter in social media over the last week or so. Uh, you know, kind of one of the things I've always thought about us is we always kind of felt we maybe were didn't have that rival or didn't hate other teams as much as we did. But there kind of seems to be some uh, brewing hatred for various teams in the Big Ten, whether it's Minnesota and I'm liking P.J. Fleck or Iowa because it's fun to hate Iowa and Wisconsin. Now we've got some negative feelings towards them, so... I, I kind of like the idea that we're starting to grow these rivalries with these teams and just want to quote the Emperor from Star Wars, which is one of hockey's favorite film franchises, and let your, you know, let your aggressive feelings flow and let the hate flow through you, Husker fans, and let, let's embrace all of this. So, enjoy. Excellent. All right, good one, Boomer. And Mac, get us out of here. Uh, yeah, as far as prediction, Clubber Lane pain. You know, I, I feel like this is going to be a, a physical matchup. I, I think at the end the, the Huskers will... Will will out and um, you know Honky mentioned earlier, and this will probably not air before the uh, b- before everybody goes out to vote. But but please do vote. You know, get out there and, and let your voices be heard. It's it's an important year for it, and, and uh, uh, we encourage the uh, the democratic process here at the, the, the Redcast. So um, mm. go to hell, Iowa. No, sorry. <laughs> well, what's what's your what's your score though for for Nebraska Northwestern? Oh, uh, and then Boomer, Boomer said something that. about it before. I, I, I what do you say? Twenty eight seventeen. Somewhere I would be thrilled with that. Somewhere so, in that range. You yeah. think twenty eight seventeen? Yeah, that, that was my prediction earlier. I think when we were talking off air, twenty eight seventeen. If we can pull that off, yeah, I like that yeah. score a lot. All right, so both of you twenty eight seventeen. All right, Dave. You know, I was gonna go like twenty eight twenty four, but. Frost likes to score 30 points, so I'll be a little bit different, say 30 to 24. Boom. Um, we'll take down the Wildcats. All right. One and one. What did you say? What was your score? I said 5-3. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so that's a 4-0 pick for the Redcast. That might be the first. Hockey thinks we're just going to play right into Northwestern's grind it out trap type mentality. Oh, we'll have 700 yards, just five points. Well, that safety will be key, though. That's, that's important. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Points per yard, low. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, great show. Enjoyed it uh, quite a bit. Boomer, I look forward to being on the bedcast with you in about 48 hours. For now, let's call that a Go Big Redcast. Go Big Red!
Beat the Wildcats. <laughs>